Let's Connect podcast series is brought to you by Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome. I'm Karen Cole, Editor-in-Chief of Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome. I am Karen Cole, Editor-in-Chief of Talent Talks and Life Online. Today I'm hosting this wonderful Connect session and with me I have Natalie Holmes. Uh, she's joining me today just to delve a little bit deeper into her thinking behind her article, Women Are Better Leaders Than Men. What I found really interesting in her, in her piece is that even with so much discourse and corrective measures being taken, around gender equality, the statistics still show a huge imbalance and perhaps the challenge lies more with the internal hurdles that women are needing to overcome. Listen on to discover what may still be holding us back. Hi, Natalie. Uh, nice, to, nice to have you with us today on our Connect session. Uh, we are really looking forward to discussing with you, especially your, your very controversial <laughs> article that was published last week. But just to give our, our listeners and our readers a chance just to get to know you, I'll just give you an opportunity just to introduce yourself. So a um, cutting-edge article, and I suppose <laughs> one that's, that's not conventional in this day and age. Hi, Karen. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I'm Natalie Holmes. I'm director and founder of Conscious Connections. Our byline is changing people's lives and shaping future leaders. So my background is psychology. Um, I've basically been in counseling and education, but more like business school type education. Those have really been the main two areas where I focused my career. Initially, it was more mental health. Um, I was a counselor at various institutions and privately. And then I moved to more education and training. I ran personal development programs at colleges. I managed courses, even lectured at a couple of universities. I lived in the States for nearly eight years, and that's where I became a certified parent coach and educator, um, which obviously tied nicely into my counseling background. Then we moved back to South Africa, and I continued with the parenting and coaching work. But as my kids got older, I became more focused on adolescence and you know, then I became a certified youth and adolescent counselor. And then as they grew, you know, the more I did that, the more I realized there's a huge gap between the world of work and education. So when my oldest left school, he just kept saying to me, mom, I feel like I learned nothing at school. I'm so unprepared for adulting. School teaches you so little. And so then I look more into the world of work, you know, what employees are looking for. And I began working in the work workspace, but with a foot still in the education system, with a mission to bridge that gap between the world of work and education. I now work with individuals and teams in the corporate space. I help them figure out where they can make their biggest impact. I use a tool called the GC Index. And to my delight, there's a youth equivalent tool, which is called the Young People's Index. Um, and that does the same thing. So now I'm in a niche where I'm helping the youth be better prepared for a future that obviously we know we can't predict. And yeah, when I walk out the door for work, my husband always says, go change lives. And I believe that's the gift I've been given to be able to help people from young to old, to varsity level, to corporate level, to change their lives for the better. Thank you. And it's quite I know. an ambitious goal. 
I know. Everyone I says you need a 30-second um, <laughs> pitch, and I'm like, I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> no problem. I think you did you did really well. So, so let's let's go back to to your article, um, okay. which is really about promoting uh, a woman in in business, and and particularly why women make better leaders than men. And just to start with, so in your article. Um, you mentioned the fact that the myth, for instance, that women prefer not to aspire to higher levels of leadership within organizations is not true. Yet this powerful unconscious bias plays an unfortunate role in placement and advancement of women in business. And that quite struck me. And I, I was wondering, and I wanted to test this with you, you know, do you really think that this still holds true given the amount of focus gender equality has currently? Do you think that this myth is still being perpetuated? I do, um, absolutely. I mean, if we look at how many females compared to males there are in leadership positions, I mean, the discrepancy is huge. So, yes, and it's it's not because women aren't as ambitious or don't aspire to lead as much as men. In fact, in some of the surveys, 74% of women and 76% of men surveyed aspire to leadership roles. So the problem is there's still that wide gap between the intention and the outcome. Yes, I still think it exists. I mean, obviously, we're trying to close that gap, but it's still there and it does impact women. In your opinion, what have we done so far to, to really change that? And where are we really still falling short? So I think with anything, you know, implementing change is difficult and what we need is a fundamental shift in the paradigm that's the barrier to women being in leadership positions. And that paradigm is around the perception of women's abilities to lead. And why this exists seems to be because of two main things. They think of the difference in leadership style because men and women do lead differently. And the second seems to be that belief that women don't progress as easily because of competing priorities. That's where we're falling short. You know, women... With the competing priorities, we're juggling work and family. Women tend to prioritize family over work. And, and women do tend to look for more of a balance between lifestyle over career progression. So, so that's what we mean about the competing priorities. But in terms of their different leadership styles, I, I think women undersell their experience and capabilities. And men in senior roles are much more likely to appoint or promote someone with a similar style to theirs because, you know, then we're on the same page. We, we think alike, he gets me. And some leadership teams just don't value the different perspectives that women bring to the team. Do you currently in the practice that you do and in the teams that you work with, give us an example of, of kind of how you see this playing out? Because, you know, you do mention it is an unconscious bias and it is something that often we're just not aware of. So when you sit back and you you work with a team and you and you're kind of observing this, what is the observable behavior that would typically show you that this unconscious bias is at play? For one, they don't they don't there's not a lot of opportunities for women in leadership. And I think that's where it's so obvious. Um women are saying, you know, I may as well pull back because there's no chance for me to be promoted or to get into those positions. So that's the most obvious observable behavior. I mean, in my article, you saw the stats of, you know, the differences between women and men in leadership. And my article was not to rip men apart, it was basically just to say, you know, if they are as good, if not better leaders, why is this discrepancy still exist? And I think, you know, with flexible hours need to need to be there for women where they can then balance work and family. One of the silver linings of COVID is that flexible hours have become a much more acceptable and way, it's the way things work now. You know, if you 
have kids and homeschooling and then you have to get your work done, you do a bit of work in the night. And I think companies have finally realized, okay, that's they also need to show that flexible career paths are viable for all employees. Um, and maybe that's why we're losing women in leadership roles, because they don't believe that a leadership position can be as flexible. And and a lot of the time, men are the primary bread breadwinners, but not the primary caregivers. And I know I'm generalizing, but but if you look at it, about half the women said they're both primary breadwinner and primary caregiver. So if corporations are not sorting out these issues with policies and work practices, and, and if there's still these cultural issues around beliefs and stereotypes and values, until these are changed and these biased perceptions change about a woman's ability to be in a leadership role, those things are not going to happen. So I think we need things like more flexible time. And those are observable, changeable behaviours. And do you think the biggest perception is coming from, so a lot of when I've, when I've heard you speaking through this, some of what comes through to me is that these are perhaps the the beliefs that the women themselves are hiring so it's almost as though they're hiring you know holding themselves back from even applying or even creating those paths for themselves do you think it you know more in that vein that we're, we're not able to see that path forward so we we kind of stop ourselves from doing that we don't believe that that flexibility will be there or we don't believe that that path is necessarily open for us so we don't apply versus you know there are true blocks to that path whereby men in leadership positions are not recognizing, uh, you know, a, a woman's application. I do. I think women are a very underused pool of talent. Um, and I do think a lot of the time, you know, men are more vocal than women. Women will stay back. They won't promote themselves as effectively as a man would promote themselves a lot of the time. So therefore, yes, they think, you know, I can't or I shouldn't or am I going to be able to manage it? So I think there is a lot of self-doubt sometimes with women when they're going, well, if this organization doesn't allow for me to be able to take a day off if I have a sick child or balance all of this, then maybe I'm not worthy of that position. It's a double-edged coin, essentially. But, I mean, women can add so much value um, in the organizations. From that perspective, you know, it shouldn't the, the responsibility then really lie on women to really work on our, ourselves to overcome roadblocks we've put in place for ourselves or stand up and be a little bit more vocal around challenging the system, which is... I think the step that a lot of women have taken in terms of being a lot more vocal about, you know, we are the primary caregivers in, in a lot of situations. We're also trying to be the primary breadwinners. And, you know, we want to be able to do it. You know, we, we believe that we can. And, and with small changes in organizations, you know, that is really possible. But we are starting to be more vocal about that. And, you know, essentially, I think if a lot of women are still feeling held back, that that is really blending itself more to a, a stronger coaching conversation than an updating yeah. of policies and practices throughout an organization. I think it's both. Um, you know, if they see the opportunities are there and that the organization is going to be supportive of that, then absolutely. Um, McKinsey did a study where they found that at entry level and mid-level, the percentage of women and men who aspire to advance is only 69 versus 74. So it's not that far apart. But when you go higher to the level of CEO, it's like 36 percent of men want to reach CEO versus only 18 percent of women. For women to know that they're in a safe environment and it's for the companies to build on those women's their short-term aspirations and motivate them so they can grow into those positions. So yeah you're right it is more like a coaching 
into those positions of directors and vice presidents so that they get confidence with each step they take and they have confidence to take the next step. It's both. I mean, I think if you've got an organization that supports it, then the women get the confidence, feeds off each other. In your opinion, what would make a woman a better leader than a, a man? What are the, I know it is very stereotypical and very collective language being used here, but you know, yeah. what in general, what qualifies a woman to be better than a man? Well, I mean, if you if you go back to my article and you look at all the attributes of, of a leader, it just on the surveys, they score higher in a lot of the attributes that people stereotypically say are attributes of a leader. But just in general, I mean, women, most consumer activity is driven by women. So, so surely they could offer some really valuable inputs around consumer activity, for one. It can add tremendous value in decision making because because of the diversity of perspectives that they have. Organizations or leaders have to start recognizing and fully understanding the value of having these different styles and different experiences in their management teams so they can have more balanced perspectives and challenge the, the traditional thinking. Given a voice, that would make them better leaders. They were given opportunities. I think it's there. It's this untapped pool that's sitting there. Another question to you. Do you not think by writing an article titled Women Are Better Leaders Than Men that we're perhaps kind of reinforcing gender bias? I don't know. I, I mean, I, that's not what I intended to do. I mean, it was based on a lot of facts and a lot of surveys and research. Um, so I don't think I was trying to reinforce it. I think I was merely trying to point out that given this research that exists and the fact that it shows women do in fact rate higher than men, why are there not more women in leadership? So yeah, my title is probably controversial, hopefully to get attention and, and start people thinking, you know, why aren't they? Why aren't we giving them more opportunities? Absolutely. And I think, you know, we're starting to have a lot of these conversations. And and for me, you know, my personal opinion is, is really around, you know, women, we've got to be stronger. We've got to have that voice. You know, it's not about it being really given to us. We've just got to start exercising, exercising that. And I think that is definitely something that organizations, especially those with, with good coaching programs, can really start focusing on is, you know, how do we enable women to to empower themselves, to really feel like they they can ask for the things that they need? Which, you know, going back to collective and, and stereotypes, essentially, is something that women are quite, do, you know, haven't yeah. traditionally been good at before. So I think yeah. that is important, you know, really exercising our voice. But for me, the question on this from what you're seeing, you know, when do you think in all likelihood we're actually going to start transitioning <laughs> to a better practice of, you know, the best person for the job as opposed to, you know, just driving hard when it comes to uh, statistics, whether yeah. it's diversity or gender or any of these things, when is it going to be really about seeing the person and and not not the name or the, the collective name? Oh, I don't know how long is a piece of string. <laughs> you know, it's slow. And unfortunately, COVID has thrown another span in the works because one in four women, one in four men, women at the moment are considering downshifting their careers or leaving the workforce because, workforce because of COVID. So it, now more than ever, we have to take hold of this and take bigger steps and bolder steps so that we don't go backwards and, you know, lose all the ground we've gained so that we can keep bridging that gap in gender diversity. And, and I think organizations have to make sure that they make the workplace more flexible for starters, which COVID is doing. But they also need to start creating an environment where different leadership styles are valued. In fact, more than that, that they welcomed or, or celebrate or even sought after, that they want it. 
And they need to start recognizing that different is good. They need to understand that men and women are different, but both deliver on the job and both can make strong leaders. So ultimately, we need to find a balance of men and women working together because that'll be so powerful. Uh, and if they don't, they will keep losing potential female leaders and, and even existing ones, which seems to be happening at the moment. Happening at so when? Absolutely. I don't know. <laughs> it's slow. <laughs> transformation is there's so. movements right exactly having these difficult conversations if you want to call them that are, are important because it just brings it all to the light and and why not be honest and open about what's going on tell me in working with uh, you know more youth do you find the same kind of mental roadblocks to quality i suppose that women of of really our age group are experiencing do you think that's being filtered down into our youth or do you think that, you know, younger women will definitely come into the workforce with a different set of expectations? I do. I really think that that's where it's going to start changing. Women or girls, younger women, I don't know what you want to call them, are, are much bolder than, say, the generation before them. They, they're not afraid to ask for what they want. Um, they're being grown up in a society that's that says, you know, speak your mind. And And I think they will have higher expectations for themselves. They won't be... They won't hold back. And the whole gender role thing is changing. So I definitely think it's going to shift in the next 10 years, 15 years, when the next generation starts coming through. I mean, at the moment, even at universities, there's more females in universities than men. It's more like a 52 to 40, 48% shift now between men and women. And that, that speaks volumes. So I do think it's going to change. So definitely we've got a 10-year trajectory, at least. I, I think. It might not <laughs> Might not be us that that really changed the world, but but definitely, hopefully, we've paved the way. Exactly. At least, yeah. maybe in the way we've raised our own daughters. Our own daughters, exactly. Or and our sons, own sons. You know, our sons Absolutely. have also learnt to throw like a girl is not a bad thing. Girls can throw. <laughs> you know, Girls can throw. Exactly. <laughs> I think those stereotypes are falling away, and maybe one day we'll get there. Fantastic. Well, Natalie, I've really enjoyed um, my time with you today. Thank you so much for for being on the line with me today. And we look forward to, to your future contributions. And of course, you can join Natalie during our webinar discussion and really just join the conversation and, and hopefully let your voice be heard and, and your opinion of the subject. So thank you so much, Natalie. A pleasure. Thank you for having me. And yeah, I look forward to more interactions.